On today's show, basketball is so back. The Cavs beat the Nets. Max Drews goes off. Donovan Mitchell hits a game winner. We're going to talk all about it on a new episode of Locked On Cavs for Thursday, October 26th. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Cavs Nets, Cleveland wins 114 to 113. We're going to go through our normal game recap foreman here if you're tuning in for the first time that means segment one is our big takeaway segment two is our game awards that's mvp that's stat of the night and that's play of the night and then third segment we're going to give you some miscellaneous emptying the notebook observations and thoughts from Cavs. nets the first game of Cleveland's regular season evan the big takeaway i think just has to be the offense and Max Strews doing what he did. I, I think there's no other way to look at this game other than the offense did look different, and Max Strews was a really big part of that. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, Max Strews is not going to have a night like this every day where he breaks. Um, I think John Michael said the NBA record, but I do know it was the franchise record for most three-pointers made in an NBA debut, um, which is 7-13 to 13 for Max Strews, but to your point, like you could see the Cavs were playing with a lot more uh, sense of urgency on offense. They were certainly using that three real second count to get across the timeline and get within their offensive sets. There's a lot of fast break opportunities. I think we saw Isaac Coro really benefit from a lot of that. But the Max Strews footnote is really interesting to me just because in the first half, you saw Brooklyn really um, defend up on Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and obviously Evan Mobley too. Like those are your three biggest threats on the floor every time they're on the floor together. Uh, and he saw Strews kind of maybe take advantage of some of the lack defense Brooklyn was giving him because whether he was it was off of movement or he was just kind of sitting there with open hands when somebody was driving to the basket. Um, he was able to benefit from the spacing that he had in front of him or just maybe the clean look, look and opportunity he had in front of him. And then he saw a pretty decent shift, like maybe midway into the second quarter, quarter especially into the second half. Uh, Brooklyn defended Strews a little bit harder and you saw that open up more opportunities for everybody else, whether it was. Mitchell or Okoro or Mobley or Lavert or Garland too. Like everybody else kind of benefited from what Max Strews provides. I'm not saying like he's the end all be all for this. And again, he's not going to have a night like this every single night, but you can see just how important spacing is, especially for any team with uh, the Cavs. It just because this is the show about the Cavs, but it, it's really just kind of neat to see the real time impact and evolution more or less of how the Cavs are functioning offensively just from one guy that was arguably their biggest free agency acquisition. I mean, I think not even arguably, I think in terms of cost and everything, he absolutely was. And you saw that in terms of minutes totals for him versus Niang. Struz played 39 minutes. He played a team high 39 minutes in his Cavs debut. Niang topped out at 20. Ty Jerome had a little six-minute cameo, and I don't think anyone's going to really remember that. This was a, a night about Max Struess, and, and Evan, the way I would describe it is he's giving them an easy button. You're right. 
just statistically, we know how this works. We know what Max Drews is. He is not going to do this every single night. He would be a all-star if he was going to go and hit this many threes every night and be that, that kind of offensive force. But the way that they had him coming off of screens, the way that he was catching and shooting, the way he just let shots fly, he would take them in transition. That's an easy button for an offense last year that didn't always have them. Uh, Cleveland finished this game with a 115.2 offensive rating. That's not, you know, gangbusters by any stretch of the imagination. That's not going to be like the best offense in the league for the whole year. But that's like a good quality number for a team that hadn't really played together before. And I think was very intentional based on what they've said and everything about where they needed to go. The offense felt quicker and easier in a way that I think it's important for them that they got that kind of game. And that like if this is the baseline, there's obviously going to be some growing pains and all of that. There, there's a lot to like in this in this opener here. Yeah, uh, as a footnote, the Cavs have brought back the junkyard dog chain this season. Um, good for them, but on a more important note, because Max Struess was the recipient of it, and so was Isaac Okoro. Um, it is just going to be kind of fun to see how this evolution uh, works. And this is kind of my other like major major takeaway from this, just from the offensive side of things, and. Sure, Cam Thomas going like absolutely nuclear off the bench doesn't really give you like a full spectrum of this, but Brooklyn was able to kind of put the pressure on the Cavs defensively. And you notice like the Cavs weren't a hundred percent steady and settled at times. I think Damian Jones not really being the uh guy that you can like say, hey, play 15 minutes for us. He only played 11 minutes 30 seconds of this game, and he got into foul trouble pretty early, so that did play a part in it. But one, it, maybe it's the lack of Jared Allen, but two, I think the Cavs like maybe expending so much more energy on offense, like the defense suffered a little bit. And that's going to be part of just this growing and figuring out process and um, finding a balance in just how everything functions so that the Cavs can lean on that core identity that has gotten them to this point on defense. But applying this new offensive approach, and it's going to be a work in progress that I did notice like, yeah, the defense was not like kind of typical of what we would expect from the Cavs just because like it was a shootout for the better part of this game. So I would, I, I, I have a stat that I, I'm not going to reveal because it's my stat of the night. So I don't want to okay. say it yet, but if you look at, I think if you, if you told me in real time and I already have a, I already wrote something about this. that's going to run on Thursday if you're the sword. There is, I think certainly this didn't feel like a good defensive performance. If you watched in real time, you saw them get enough stops and Donovan Mitchell had four steals. And they did enough defensively to make it work. I also just don't... I just kind of think that ultimately this probably is just like a weird first game of the season where there's no Allen and it's a bunch of new guys. And the other part of this is, look, they ran out lineups in this game that are so tilted offensively. One of them, I believe, was Garland, Lavert, Struess, Niang, and Damian Jones. That lineup for all of its pluses and the shooting you're putting on the floor and having a room roll in there, and it, it makes sense conceptually offensively. There is a 0% chance that lineup is going to be good defensively. So I think where we're headed with this, based on the rotations of game one, and I think certainly Jared Allen being back, the idea will be for him to solidify a lot of this and, and help with some of the coverage here in a way Damian Jones isn't like, I mean, Carousel, or Jared, excuse me, is going to play 30 minutes. He's not going to play 11. I think like this is the way you're going to ride this is saying, okay, like, yes, we're going to have to scramble at times. We're going to have to just get key stop times and go into that. But I kind of just think if this is the baseline of 
we didn't have Jared and we have a bunch of new guys and the first time all of them are really playing together in a real game and you come out the way you did, like I kind of, I wouldn't even be like super worried if I'm being honest about it. No, I'm not worried either because like you said, it's the first game of the season, the game that actually counts. Like some teams, I Cleveland included, are going to be kind of be playing themselves back into shape. Um, they were really doing like those, like you had noted, offensive heavier lineups with Damian Jones being the center. Um, and it clearly wasn't effective because the Nets kind of went on a bit of a run because of it. And when there wasn't, a, you, you didn't have a single plus defender on the floor at that point. Like all mm-hmm. due respect to Max Drews, Damian, like none of those guys are guys you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that's like just a rock solid, great defender. They aren't. And that's okay, but you're making a choice. Yeah, you are making a committed choice to sacrifice some of your defensive upside as a team overall to make things more palatable for you on the offensive side of the ball. And like like you said, it's going to be a figuring out process. It's just one game. Um, if the Cavs lost this one, I'm sure the tone maybe would be a little different, of course, but I think it's just easier to talk about this with the loss. But you take the good at the bad. Um, and there's a lot of adjustments that can be made. And once the Cavs are kind of in shape, they find their groove on offense and they start leaning on what we're defensively. It's gonna, it's gonna figure itself out. Like maybe we saw the Cavs kind of winning ugly with like that play from Donovan Mitchell or Isaac Okoro, uh, down the stretch in the fourth quarter too. And yeah, like the identity's still there. Uh, the Cavs are still trying on defense, but they are having to expend more energy on offense and also really running offensive heavy lineups versus last season where like there was a strict, strict, strict focus on just like, okay, we're going to win ugly, grind up possessions and kind of get buckets in the half as much as we can. And we'll win in like the low 90s or, or high 90s, low 100s. Yeah, I think the regular season, it's worth viewing it as a process. Uh, You kind of just have to wade through some stuff. Coming up after the break, though, we're going to get into awards. It's going to MVP stat of the night and play of the night. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta, which is a great way you can save money and earn money for the way for the things you're already shopping. How does a free Thanksgiving sound? This year I bought it is here to give you cash back and help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete because who wants a turkey without the gravy? Big holidays mean big family get togethers, but you don't have to spend all that money on the Thanksgiving spread without getting something in return. With I bought it, you can get your turkey and all of your favorite sides for free. Starting November first, that's right up deer, right up the road. For the fourth year in a row, I bought it is giving one hundred percent cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make sure your Thanksgiving feast is complete. All you have to do is shop your favorite retailers and upload your receipts. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, and Best Buy. Download the Ibotta app and use our code LOCKED, all lowercase, to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use our code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use our code LOCKED. And one other ad here for you today, I got to tell you about our friends at Picks. PrizePix is the most fun you can have while winning up to 25 times your money this football season and all sports seasons. You just pick two or more players and pick more or less than their projected stats and place your entry. 
Price Picks is really simple to play. You make your picks, submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Price Picks also has a great reboot policy. With the Price Picks reboot policy, your entries stay play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury assurance. Again, you can do all kinds of things across sports. In the NFL, for instance, you could do Saquon Barkley more than 60 yards and Patrick Mahomes for more than two touchdowns. It's really easy and simple to use. Go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use our code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use our code LockedInNBA for a deposit match up to $100. Again, check that out. Use our code and have some fun with prizepicks. All right, let's go to awards. Evan, what was your little chuckle about? Now I'm curious. Um, the the Onion um, just had a really good headline that says NBA drug test Ben Simmons after nine point explosion, <laughs> and I just went, just I don't know. The Onion, the Onion still gets it. Still makes me laugh today, and the, 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 it's good stuff. Good content. All right. Awards MVP. Uh, it's Max Struess. Evan, what did you? Let's just talk a little bit more about Max Struess. What what was the to you like the highlight of his performance? Uh, just the fact that he was taking and making so many three pointers, and he again we talked about this a little bit uh, heading into the season. Like, will he have a bit of that Miami regression as some role players do when they leave the Heat? Uh, he did not have great shooting splits uh, in the NBA Finals against Denver. And he was showing a little bit of positive momentum in the preseason, but that's preseason. Like when the games actually count, like what will be the difference here? And I think just what stood out to me is just like, yeah, the three point shooting stuff is real. And he is kind of like a hand in glove fit of what the Cavs need at that position where it's spacing. He isn't like a plus plus defender, of course, but I think he is a competent enough positionally. And also he does provide you like pretty basic ball handling and stuff too which you know is a plus but the shooting thing is very real like that just has stood out to me in preseason and i think that's one heck of a way to really start off a game and make an impression on everyone uh whether they cover the team or just are a fan of this team on a nightly basis too just say like yeah the Cavs were very wise in uh spending a lot of money to get max truce this summer the other name I would throw out is Donovan Mitchell because I mm-hmm. this wasn't even like I like a great Donovan Mitchell game. I you know he's missed some short on some shots. It wasn't like the most pristine Donovan Mitchell performance that we've seen. But it had two things. Number one, and I think most impressively, this guy got in the muck. This guy had four steals. He was engaged on defense. He was clapping his hands. He was fighting. And for a guy that went out the way he did the last couple of years, I that's just a good kind of way to start your season on the right foot. He also hit a game winning shot. He. Yeah. Did he? He is so powerful in those one-on-one situations, and you have Cam Johnson out here trying to draw, trying to flop and draw a foul. I get it, but Mitchell just was so assertive. He went to it, hits a, hits a, hits a three, wins the Cavs, wins the Cavs their season opening game, and he he ended up with twenty-seven, the same as Struce, and it wasn't even like an A-level Donovan Mitchell performance, and that just speaks to how good that dude is. Amid all the stuff we, we can talk about him that we're not going to get into today, like that dude is just a really good basketball player, and he. Did a lot tonight. That's a reminder that there are moments where he can be a, a two-way guy, even if it's not all the time. Uh, that's a really hot take that uh, he's a really good basketball player. I think we're gonna have to kind of keep an eye on this going forward. But 
more than that, like you said, wasn't a great shooting night for Mitchell. I think it doesn't matter much since he hit the game winning shot and also just had the game winning play with that block um, down the stretch and also just the steals as well that he had. Like he was just a key dude on either end of the floor for the Cavs. And again, a weird thing for us still to say just because of his track record in Utah. And just like you said, wasn't perfect tonight on defense or offense, but like gave the Cavs just enough and just made the play that you expect the best player on the team, at least from an offensive output standpoint, uh, to make in those moments because the Nets more or less had this game in their clutches and then the Cavs scrapped their way back into this and found a way to win it and Mitchell was the guy who spearheaded the whole thing. So yeah, uh, if Max Struess wasn't the MVP, it, it's Donovan Mitchell or maybe like if you really want to get in the nitty gritty of it, like Isaac Okoro for some of the stuff he did in the second half. Oh, we'll be talking about Isaac Coro in, in segment three. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. Uh, stat of the night. For me, it's 113.1. That's the Cavs defensive rating. I, that felt worse to me in real time. And yet, that was akin to the sixth-ranked defense of the NBA last year, according to Cleaning the Glass. So, like, all things considered, like, this didn't feel like a good defensive performance on tape. And, like, I, I wrote a whole thing and then was like, oh, mm-hmm. let's just check the numbers, fill them in. And yet, like, they were good enough on defense where it was akin to the six-ranked defense in the league last year. And so, like, uh, two points better than the league average last year. So, you just sometimes yeah. it's just like, this team's really good on defense. You got to throw your hands up and be like, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't. It wasn't perfect. Also, Brooklyn did have 20 of their 113 points earned at the charity stripe. So, there was a bit of a disparity. And I did note this um, as we were kind of like planning out this episode because the Cavs were down when I wrote this one, like JB make it a fine for the officiating tonight. But um, yeah, that, that is interesting. Like just when you say that number out loud, it doesn't sound great, obviously just comparatively what, to what we expect from the Cavs, but uh, from years past, but it also doesn't surprise me just because like, I, I do expect them to take a step back defensively and not be the number one team defensively this year, but like a top five defense, but with like an offense that climbs the ladder to be more than just like average or slightly above average. And they can kind of find that happy balance where like they don't have to rely on their defense to win them games every single night. Like they can have nights like this where it is a bit of a shootout, but they do have the ammunition or at least the guys to shoot those shots to make the difference in games like this. But my uh, stat of the night isn't like a tangible statistic, but this was the first road season opening win for the Cavs in 23 years. I was seven years old when this last happened. And I'm like, that's a weird stat. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to write that down just because it's uh, kind of crazy to think with all the years LeBron James is on that team that they've never won like a road home season opening game. So that's just interesting to me. Yeah. The, uh, the Cavs have been an often weird franchise. That's just the 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 weird reality of all of this. Is at times they are just kind of kind of mid, uh, and they've been underwhelming at times. But the whole LeBron thing makes it even like a weirder thing because you would have thought just one year maybe oh, yeah, would have done like, it. All right. Yeah, yeah. Continue. What were you gonna say? I uh, know. I just said that. Yeah, like I agree. All right. Cool. All right. Play of the night. Uh, you go Mitchell game winner. Evan, you go first because I think you have like the right pick and i had just i just was like rattling off mitchell plays in mind i'll get to that but tell me your tell me yours so it was i think like a little bit less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter um again max truce is not a guy that is known for like his defensive chops as a player um 
but he was able to get a block on Cam Johnson that did result on in a key bucket. It resulted in him streaking down the floor and getting fouled on a layup attempt and getting two free throws. The line is only two free throw attempts, I think, in the entire game. But it was just like one of those moments like, oh, the Cavs are still a defensive first team. They are showing some fight because I, I was thinking like at that point in the game, I'm like, I don't think Cleveland is going to climb back into this one just because the Nets have Mikhail Bridges just doing Mikhail Bridges stuff, constantly getting the line. He's like one of the most accurate free throw shooters in the league. But then Struis just gets a really good block on um, Cam, a Cam Johnson three-point attempt. And uh, actually, I was wrong. Evan Mobley recovered it, then passed it down to a streaking Struis. So like it, that's indicative of Cleveland's offensive approach with Mobley kind of being more pass-focused. But like... Max Struess making like one of the biggest plays in the night other than um, Donovan Mitchell's um, steal and dunk soon after that. So credit where credit's due, I guess. Like he he had an overall MVP performance and he had one of the biggest plays. That- uh, my, I'll, give, I'll give you my favorite Mitchell play because it's just such a classic Mitchell play. 220 left to go. He has the little, I don't know what exactly to call it, but he... He's able to, because his core is so dang strong, he's able to bring the ball and whip it over and get to the lane in one move, and it's not a carry. And he did that, got to the rim, and it was just like an easy bucket and tied it to 105 on. It's like, yeah, this this freaking dude is just, yeah. he's really fun. He's just really fun. <laughs> Amid like all the times where he can be frustrating, it's just, and like he, there's times where you just want him to maybe play a little faster. He does stuff like mm-hmm. that, and you're like, oh, right, this guy's unreal. Yeah, he's unreal. And I think that just, again, it's a luxury for the Cavs to have a dude who is one of the best players at his position and a top 15 player overall in the league, uh, holding down the fort for them in certain points. And like I said, uh, just with the game-winning shot, this was kind of just what you expect your best player to do, especially when you just are trying to find a way to win uh, and just kind of start off your season on the right foot. All right, coming up next, final thoughts from Cavs Nets, including Isaac Okoro and Evan Mobley. Thoughts. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. And you can snap into the NFL season right now with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's wide-ranging betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. They have boosts all the time as well, and NBA season is here. So they're going to have all kinds of NBA bets if that's more your jam. Right now, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season and tip off with the NBA season. Remember, that's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, and the official sportsbook of Locked On. So, Evan, I thought Isaac Okora was genuinely pretty good. I thought the physicality oh, yeah. he played with, I thought he looked thicker and like a little stronger as well coming off of last season. He defended a bunch of different guys. He had big moments defending both Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Certainly a little more even of an uneven offensive performance, but he wasn't just standing in the corner. He was moving. Mm-hmm. He was cutting. He took and made some threes. I thought this was a game that moving forward, you know, I think considering he got the start and that probably speaks to some level of confidence in him from the coaching staff. This is someone who I think made well. He This is a good first impression of Isaac Coro in a prove-it year for him. 
and in a in a position where he's going to have to, I think, earn his minutes. So it was a good start to the season for him, I think. Oh, and it was a great start for the season. And he stuffed the stat sheet: eighteen points, six rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block. I mean, was impactful on both ends of the floor. Had a lot of key plays down the stretch. But to your point, like really benefited one from the Cavs playing faster and was able to get out in movement and transition and get like easy looks at the bucket, whatever those, a dunk that he had, or he was four or five from the free throw line. So he's again using his physicality to draw fouls and contact and get to the line and make them at a reliable clip. But there were moments when he had three-point attempts and Brooklyn uh, sagged off of him and he did make them burn or burn them for it rather. Like he was two or four from three-point range in this game. Like you're not going to, he's not going to play nearly 32 minutes a night when he's coming off the bench but like if you can crystallize what you got from Makoro right there in this moment and maybe it's just playing the nets where like it just brings the best out of him for some reason but you can crystallize this and kind of carry this momentum forward like one he's your best point of attack defender like he's gonna have to get minutes on a nightly basis just because of that but two um if he's able to bring you balance on the offensive side of the ball whether it's through playmaking or just scoring in general like yeah, he he more than deserves minutes in this rotation just because of obviously what he brings you defensively. But if he's able to bring you meaningful minutes on offense as well, like it, this is this is great. And it it's builds confidence in his own game and also trust with the coaching staff as well. And also, thirdly, you can find lineups and rotations at work where maybe like Okoro isn't obviously ever going to be the number one option scoring wise, but can give you some minutes there, but also like counterbalance some of the deficiencies, some of like maybe these more offensive line heavy lineups have for the Cavs at times. What did you just before we move on to Mobley real to, to kind of wrap this up, what did you make of the decision to start Okoro and as opposed to going with a Damian Jones or or George Nang or someone like that? I think it was smart just because of how Brooklyn is built as a team. Like Mikhail Bridges is a, a, four, a traditional forward. Cam Johnson is a three, four uh, Ben Simmons plays point guard, but he has the size of a forward um, Spencer Dinwiddie's like the, like he's still like big player to begin with, but he's like the traditional guard on this team. And there's Nick Claxton as well, but like the Nets are a team that have a lot of length, a lot of just like tweener forward size guys. And like, Having a core out there to maybe stymie the uh, offensive flow, whether it was from Bridges or Johnson or even like Dinwiddie, who wasn't like super, super impactful, but he still gave the Nets some pretty like meaningful minutes at times. Like, like that was just important for a Coral to do out there. And it, it just kind of allows the Cavs to maybe build that offensive rhythm and cadence and also keep the Nets a little bit uncomfortable so that they can't find comfort and familiarity in the opening moments of the game. And it allows just cleveland to function with their starting units and also allows the bench units to get acclimated a little bit easier like it's a little bit of like a trickle down effect i want a coral can provide so like i don't dislike it and maybe makes sense as a power forward at times for the Cavs. just when they do go in these smaller lineups and struce is just your three and then garland's the one um and mitchell's the evan mobley to wrap this up i thought played with you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he played like a, a great game. He certainly, I think, had some moments where, you know, he got blocked by um, Nick Claxton and whatnot. So, like, this wasn't perfect. But what I did like, Evan, was I thought he played with a real sense of physicality. I thought he played with a real sense of intention. I thought he played a, a pretty good defensive game. And I and I, I think there was also some really good offensive aggression moments from him. So, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this was the best version of Mobley. But in terms of him, 
playing with more of an edge than I think we've seen in the past and him just being a little bit more of a presence inside when he is the five. I came away pretty pretty impressed and this 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 was probably like a a double for Mobley just to some degree. Maybe it's maybe it's just like a light single. It was 10 points, six boards, mm. only two blocks. Like it, it's not going to look as like a great box score game. But I thought the way he played to me popped more than the box score would suggest. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the uh the the, the thought or the idea of what Evan Mobley is. Like if you just look at the box score um, and don't like understand the context of like what he did on the floor. Like you don't get a full appreciation or understanding of what he gives you. And um, I was like thinking about this in the closing moments of this game, like a closing lineup of like having an Isaac Okoro that's that engaged in like especially just playing bigger and stronger on defense. And like if you're the Nets, you like play at these more forwardy type players or just any team in general. Like if you're forcing a switch, you're like, okay, let me get a Coro off of me. Then it ends up being Evan Mobley, who's also comfortable defending in space, and then. Uh, understanding defensive rotations to defend the basket as well like that that's that's a nightmare to game plan against like that's a fun closing lineup that the Cavs can kind of experiment with at times too um but like you said like wasn't super remarkable if you just look at the counting stats like he had moments you're like yeah Evan Mobley is definitely playing with a little bit of juice I think he's playing with a little bit of vision but it's gonna take time because the five still just not like his traditional position I think he does have like that Anthony Davis, like Victor Wembanyama, uh, Chet Holmgren kind of thing, where like you have like these freaky like hyper athlete big men who can do so much on defense, but like they're better off four, so they're not getting like roughed up the entire game. And I think Nick Claxton is just a tough draw, no matter how you shake it. So that probably plays a part in it too. But I think Mobley played well. Like if you're in, uh, if you're the Cavs, you're probably preparing for the actuality of Allen not playing in this game. But like Mobley didn't look overwhelmed by it, and it's going to be take time. But like the offense certainly flowed pretty well with him at the center's position, and also like defensively, he did the right things just to make sure like the Cavs weren't getting like absolutely torn apart, or that it was on the interior or on out in isolation on the perimeter. We're going to end there. Back at you Friday with another edition of Locked on Cavs. We're going to preview Cavs Thunder, the home opener, preview Cavs Pacers, the Saturday night game in Cleveland. And we're going to play a, a debut, a new segment here where every week we're going to do what matters most. I'm going to present or Evan will present a certain weeks, three topics, and we're going to debate which one of those topics matters most. Uh, tell you something related to Cam Thomas is on my list for edition one of that segment. So we'll be back at you. Friday morning here in the feed again. Cavs beat the Nets. Max Drush goes off. Donovan Mitchell hits a game winner. And basketball is freaking back, baby. We'll talk to you all Friday. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on the